0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Money Sitters Podcast, Episode 1. We're here to give you everything finance-related and market-related on a weekly basis. All of our episodes are going to start with some quick fun facts, and then we're going to dive into some daily news, and we're going to end on a weekly recap of the stock market and any stock picks that we, we thought caught our own eyes. Starting off, let's introduce ourselves. My name's Adi, and I'm a freshman at Carnegie Mellon, studying finance, planning to double major with statistics, and minor in computational finance. A few things about me: I love to hike. I love to eat any new foods, any new foods out there. And my favorite thing to do is travel.
1: Hey guys, my name is Barat. I'm a freshman at the Tepper School of Business at Carnegie Mellon as well. I will be double majoring in statistics, along with business administration, and minoring in computer science. A couple of things about me: I love to play baseball and just get out there a lot. Um, I also like to read and play video games as well.
2: Alright, so what's up guys? I, as well, I'm a freshman at the Temple School of Business. Uh, currently I tend to double concentrate in finance and business analytics with a minor in computational finance. A little bit about me, I love sports, big Steelers fan. Um, I also like to draw and act and uh, I'm a big bubble tea fan. So yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's us. There's three of us, and that's probably how it's going to be. Um, This podcast, like I said, is going to keep talking about finance, literally anything finance-related, whether it's a new industry, any technical analysis, bond markets, current events, the Fed, personal finance and literacy, any mergers that are going on, fintech. There's a a lot of options for us to take over the course, so let us know what you like and let us know what we should continue with. For today, we're going to go over a little bit with the history, and at the end, we actually have a little bit of special facts for you guys.
2: Yeah, so, you know, just before we go into the history, I'd just like to say, like, you know, we're not, you know, experts on this, you know, we're growing, we're learning as we go through the podcast, and, you know, that's part of it. You know, we hope you guys um, are able to learn from us and grow with us, and, you know, we hope to get any kind of feedback that you guys have. Yeah, going into the stock market history, you can start with you know the 1920s. Um, Barak, if you
1: want to go with that. Yeah, sure, go uh, on. so the 1920s was actually called the Roaring Twenties. So this is one of the best golden periods for the United States. And however, this good luck didn't last for long as the United States fell into the Great Depression. And it started with Black Tuesday. So the stock there was a stock market crash up to 1929, and it lasted until. 1939, which succeeded the Roaring Twenties. And our president, FDR, actually had many plans to do relief, reform, and recovery. And this is through his New Deal. So diving into some of the economic plans that he had built for us, um, we're going to be talking mainly about his different plans for the economy. And... Just to give you a couple of brief overview regarding the programs, there's a lot of programs related to agriculture and trying to have an increase in production and prices. And this was all pushed by the legislative legislative initiatives by FDR. So we're gonna be progressing from the 1920s all the way to the Black Monday, which occurred in 1987.
2: So, I'd like to hand that off. Wait, Barth, um Wait, so FDR, like, this is all part of the New Deal, right? Yeah, it was, and actually, because of the New Deal and its
1: response, is it actually it gave FDR a really great image in the United States and in history, and it's pushed him to want of being the one of the best presidents that we've ever had as well.
2: You yeah, know, I'm just looking like. There's a lot of parts, so there was a civil rights administration, Long security administration, uh, the big one was the social security administration. Yeah, um, social security was one of the biggest
1: things that helped old age and widows have benefits. And this is key to making sure that people who are less fortunate in our country have the sort of, they have this net that they can fall on. And in addition to that, we had unemployment compensation and disability insurance, which is a really great progression for our country and giving these people something to really have some financial stability in their life, which they probably never had before.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, all right, so what are we moving on to now? Black Monday? Yep, Black Monday. All right, so on Black Monday, which was in October 19th, 1987, the Dow Jones fell 22% in one day and you know, this not only affected the US, but you know, the whole world. Uh, every market was, you know, on a downturn and um, it changed a lot, you know, throughout the market. I don't know too much about this topic, but um, you know what that could Um,
1: so I guess. The, the rebound actually was much better than what happened during the Great Depression. We actually rebounded in around two years, and we topped the levels that we saw from that crash. And a lot of people actually profited from this. A lot of hedge fund managers actually had a lot of success from this crash. They actually predicted the crash and profited greatly from Black Monday. However, the same can't be said for the rest of the population. And so. <clears throat> This is why it's called Black Monday.
0: Definitely. Black Monday was pretty deadly to most of the population. But its bigger brother in 2008 was a whole other animal because a lot of people didn't even see that coming. Um, Like Bart said, on Black Monday, quite a few people were walk out with profit. But come 2008 and we run into the housing crisis, the story isn't quite the same. A lot of people never saw it coming. Um, It was a combination of terrible sales and a lack of financial management amongst the government on its citizens that caused the housing crisis and very few people were able to witness or predict such a crash. Um, if you guys wanna learn more about that subject, I'd recommend looking into a few documentaries about 2008 or another great movie, is The Big Short. They all do a good job at explaining what exactly happened, um, who's, who's to blame, and how do we avoid it from happening in the future. Uh, 2008 was deadly, definitely quite deadly to our market. A lot of people went into poverty, a lot of people lost their houses, a lot of people lost their entire savings because they were lied to essentially. And uh, the company, definitely, the country, definitely, learned a lot from it. One of the interesting things about two thousand eight was that it was actually an election year, which um, brings us to a similar position to as we, where we are currently in today's world.
2: Yeah. Um, just stepping back a little bit, I also wanted to talk about the dot com bubble, which was uh, from two thousand one to two thousand two-ish in that time, and people overlooked this. Uh, uh, this time period, but you know, there was a great amount of you know confidence behind tech stocks and people really believed in them, and so there was you know heavy investments and a lot of money being poured into the market. But you know, there was just a big bubble. At the end of the day, there wasn't really it was just high valuations. There wasn't really that much money, and so it led to a really big crash. And so yeah, so moving towards today, I feel like we're at a risk right now because. You know, currently, we rely on stocks a lot. I mean, not stocks. <laughs> Tech stocks a lot. And um, and it's also an election year. So what do you guys think? Do you think we're going to have a repeat of what happened in the past? Um, I guess, like, it could be a repeat of the
1: past. But also, one thing that I want to point out is that from the dot-com bubble, there's actually a lot of big companies that sort of burst. And, like, they kind of bounced back from that crash. So, we have companies such as, like, Amazon, Adobe, Priceline, eBay, IBM, and they all did very good after this dot com crash. I mean, if if I would give you the best stock pitch, it would be invest. If I go back twenty years, I would invest in those companies, right? You have like these companies at very low prices, and now they're over like thousands of dollars. So that was one of the biggest times to invest. And if you were smart enough to invest back then, uh, you would be a lot richer, a rich, happy man.
0: Definitely. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, I don't. My dad <coughs> I mean, Yeah, back in two thousand eight, my dad had a bunch of shares of Amazon, right? And you know, after the crash, he sold it because he was scared. He didn't, he didn't want to lose all of his money. But you know, if he had kept that investment, so today he'd probably have like five billion (laughs) dollars. I'm pretty sure. Damn.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, hindsight's always gonna be twenty twenty. I mean, speaking to the dot com bubble, though, I would say like you were saying there's a lot of hype around it and not a lot of tech to follow it up. But, um, since then, I feel like the tech industry has really showed up and stepped up. Um, they've actually produced the products that they've been speaking on. And more importantly, like in the current world, especially since COVID has entered and we'll get more into that later. Um, the world, especially the business industry has seen dependence on tech, like never before. And that's why most of the stocks right now, if you look at the market are doing rather well. Um, one thing that I would have to say is that in the dot-com bubble, I think a lot of people were just innocent, like someone was saying, and they just weren't really thinking about the fact that they were backing investments without a real product, essentially. Um, and speaking to what Bharat had to say, like companies came out of it profitable because they were able to sort of withstand uh, these over-evaluations and find a new footing and actually release what they were calling for early on, like Amazon or IBM or something like that. So I guess we kind of confused you, gave you a lot
1: of these big terms and stuff. But I want to talk a little bit about like what causes these different crashes. Like where did these crashes just come? They're not just random. Like there's some sort of cycle. And just to give you a little bit of information on the cycle, um, you have first the expansion of an industry like the stock market. You have a peak, a recession, and then you got a depression. So whenever you got some golden age period, you're gonna be forecasting or predicting some sort of recession or depression coming in the future people are getting too optimistic people are getting over speculative of like yeah the stock is going to go up the stock is going to go up but there's a point at which people get scared like oh my god is this talk stock or the market too high or something like that so that's where like the investors get a little bit scared and it kind of leads into this recession and depression type era
0: definitely i think what one of the things i've realized like obviously after studying a few of these things like is that once we get successful, like a lot of citizens and investors get comfortable with the current market and they sort of stop being cautious and they play a little bit more loosely. And I mean, that applies to almost anything you do in life. The moment you start playing loose, you know, things can get a bit risky. And if we really dive deep in most of these situations, arguably they were predictable um, and arguably they could have been preventable as well. but a lot of people just turned a blind eye to things that were going on. And went, over time, it all built up and it popped, essentially, like the bubble term speaks for. Um, I think one thing that we have to realize right now is that every time the market is sort of hitting a peak, you should naturally expect um, a little bit of a recession. Obviously, the magnitude can differ from recession to recession, but I think it's fair to say that every time the market continues to rise, um down the line, we should see a little bit of a spike.
2: I mean, yeah, I 100% agree with the both of you. And, um, you know, this is sort of like a basic concept of the stock market, but, you know, the stock market has levels of resistance and it has levels of support. But, you know, when, it, when the stock keeps uh, rising, you know, at some point, it's not going to keep going up like you guys have stated. It will budge. And, you know, it might fall a little bit, it might fall a lot to resistance, where it'll start, you know, leveling out again, or it might even drop past resistance, you know? So there's a lot of factors to this stuff, um, volatility, uh, whatever the current news is. So, um, you know, a lot of this comes with experience and, you know, you really have to know yourself for uh, things like this.
1: Just just to like tag team off what Chamoise said there, you got these peaks. You got how the stock may generally be moving. You might be expecting something in the future, but no one can really expect what's going to happen in the future, right? I mean, we have predictions and things like that. And so throughout this podcast, we're actually going to be teaching you methods in which you can be able to predict um, what the market's going to be doing. you are going to be better... You're going to be better, like almost guessers of what this stock is going to be doing, but using research and your own like methods to really figure out like what is up, you know, what is up in the market, what's up with the stock.
0: Definitely. I mean, our goal is to try to make you more knowledgeable on the stock market and make it as easy as it is for you to, um, what is, obviously, like Barth also said, it's never going to be perfect. No one can be perfect. Everyone's going to fail at one point. But um, the more knowledgeable you are, the more chances are you'll come up with a correct answer. Um, I think one of our biggest topics for today is definitely going to be coming into the United States What exactly is going to happen to the stock market about the controversies that people are talking about in today's world?
2: I mean, uh, just to give one example of Just to put the fact that we won't know what's happening. So, you know How many weeks ago was it that Trump got corona? Was it like two weeks ago?
0: Yeah, not that long ago,
2: right? So the, on Twitter one single tweet I have coronavirus, and you know the whole like all the markets around the world were down. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I said the U.S. was down like just off of one fee from uh, one piece from the
0: president, and so no one could ever predict. Um, lines like Tesla stock is gonna crash. People, yeah. people, essentially sold. Leave. You would think people would realize that, but no one did, and Tesla stock genuinely did crash, and he probably took a big hit himself. But yeah, I mean, these are factors that most people aren't gonna predict. Like we're never gonna know when Elon's gonna drop.
1: Hey, just we said that on purpose, I mean, you know how very sensitive saying something like that could be and in the long term you're you're dealing with people's money here, you know? April Fools are not like when something's said like that in that fashion, I don't think anyone's really like thinking about oh it's April Fools might be a prank or anything like that. So I don't know, maybe it's just an entry point for some people to get in after Tesla stock crash.
0: I mean, I'm not privy to the facts or the punishments, but I, I do remember that when he did say that there was something along the lines of, um, like, a warning given to him. I don't think he meant it in uh, in a negative format. Elon's always been Elon. He always does whatever the hell he wants. Um, we've seen him do a lot of more interesting things in life. Um, I think it was just kind of a, a joke that went way, way south for the company. But like Bart said, I think in the long run, it probably helped him out because a lot of new investors came in. So, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not i
2: yeah, I'm just
1: not saying. I'm not. I'm not saying like, I'm just saying Elon Musk is a smart man. I fully support him, his ideas, his companies. So I'm a huge fan, and yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I was gonna say what Adi said. Uh, I mean, yeah, that, that really is just how Elon Musk is. I mean, you know, the ideas he comes up with are crazy. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen his TED Talks, but he's like, um, I know in like LA, he wants to have like underground. Tunnels to, uh, to uh, decongest the traffic
0: in way and just stuff like that. Like, that. no, we should get him on. We <laughs> <laughs> on Definitely, one day, one day, we'll get you on on the money sitters. And so, I guess like
1: coming back to the subject of 2020, um, what do you guys think? What was like? What was your debrief of how we've done so far? How has the stock market done so far? Maybe give like a couple of big events, a couple of trends for our audience today.
0: Yes, yeah, nice. for sure. Um, I could speak to a few trends. Uh, obviously, when the year started, we all thought that this virus that we heard about in December would stay localized in China and never really come overseas, but it did very quickly and not just overseas, but globally. One thing that I've definitely realized um, after reading on reading on a few articles and looking at some trends is that. When, the, when COVID arrived and took over the stock market and the stock market tried to, started to turn down, there were two types of investors. There's always a traditional investor who goes off the patterns that exist and past thought processes the, within the world of finance. And then there's the modern investor who uses quantitative analysis and algorithms to invest instead. Uh, one thing you'll realize is a lot of people who had quantitative algorithms were actually able to withstand COVID to some extent in the market. Um, I guess maybe due to certain parameters that they had come up with in their algorithms and certain stop limits or something like that that had them sell out or buy out at the right price versus traditional investors who don't have past patterns to go off of, because whether we like it or not the last pandemic was about a century ago and the parallels to be drawn between the Spanish flu and the pandemic we're going through right now are very very little so it's hard for traditional investors to come up with a pattern and come up with sort of a a ground to work off of when they're investing. So the trend I'm trying to get at is that, I think one thing we've definitely realized is that modern investing using quantitative analysis and algorithms has proven a little bit more rigid and effective in new situations compared to traditional investing.
1: It's actually super interesting. I actually thought it was the other way around, but that was actually something that, something was new for me. And uh, as Adi mentioned before, we're all learning here. And Shoma mentioned also like, we're we're learning along with you guys and so this has been a great opportunity to sort of pick up knowledge and also share that knowledge with y'all.
0: Definitely. Um yeah, I mean I don't I don't wanna talk for too long here, but one thing that I think is pretty interesting is before COVID a lot of the market was uh kind of questioning sort of like the future of algorithmic trading, even though that was clearly where finance was heading. And I think COVID as for a good part solidified that it is an effective method now don't get me wrong there are always going to be algorithms that probably screwed up during covid as well but i think for the most part it withstood the pandemic better than traditional investors awesome
1: and so i guess this is a little bit of a sidetrack uh this is a very special week so this episode is going to be very special in the sense that we're going to step away from politics a little bit uh step away from finance a little bit and actually step into politics a little bit and we're going to be Talking about the ties between the two as well. So, Chomoy, what you what you think? Um, what do you think the next week is going to hold for us?
2: The next week. Yep. Um, you know, no, no algorithm can predict this. That's is true. all I'm going <laughs> to say. Uh, you know, it could, cause I'm pretty sure if Biden does end up winning, the market can come out green. But and not just the you know U.S. market, but also global markets. But if Trump is to win. You know, maybe the US markets could be green, but I know a lot of global markets will not be happy if he does win. Uh, you know, notably China. And I think like another thing I really wanted to get at. If, so if Biden does win, you know, uh, China will be very, very happy. The markets will be, you know, doing very good. But at the same time, do you guys think that, uh, that hurts the US's power? Um... So I guess like before I step into like the U.S. Of power aspect, uh, stock
1: markets actually have a huge indication in the how the election is going to turn out. So actually, the stock market has actually picked Joe Biden to win this election. And that was actually very surprising for me. And the way they, the way they calculate this is that the S&P 500 actually fell. Oh, wait, I read, point, I read about
2: this. I read about uh, this. Uh,
1: yeah. Super interesting, actually. And it fell 0.04 percent between 31st of July and October 31st, uh, which was yesterday. And yeah, so it seems that Joe Biden could be victorious in this. And and it's also so that the stock market has a very good track record. Um, it's been used since World War II, and has a pretty good track record
2: in election years. I mean, you know, going yeah, going off of that you know, I think this is the best time to, you know, buy those stocks you really want to invest in. I feel like you can get some great discounts right here. And, you know, with the hope of a COVID vaccine soon, you know, maybe this could be the turnaround of the cycle from going from a depression into more of an expansion era. So I definitely think this is a time to look at stuff.
1: That's totally true.
2: And Adi, I have a
1: question for you. Bring it. Um, How do you think Biden's tax increases are going to affect the stock market in any way? Um, I know that that has a lot to do with it. Interest rates have fallen. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, tax rates might be hiked. And so, what do you think people's response is going to be to that?
0: So, one is it's a very traditionalist mindset. Um, Biden and the Democratic Party have definitely taken a slightly more socialist standpoint. Um, this election to counter the opposition one thing I would say is if Biden were to take this election the stock market I personally don't know what's gonna happen and a lot of people are saying it could go up a lot of people are saying that it might just fall apart one of Biden's policies, like you were saying with the tax um, it's gonna obviously he intends to tax the rich and sort of spread out the tax a little bit amongst the population so that's more evenly laid out based on proportions and the amount of money people are making through income personally i think if biden were to be elected we would see a slight downturn in the stock market in my opinion um i believe that his tax is going to cause a lot of investors to sort of opt out of uh opt out of their current positions i could be wrong and it, it could end up rising but that's just my personal opinion i believe Biden's standpoint with the tax um, may sort of hurt investors in their future uh, while it may gener- uh, help out the majority of the population of the country. So, yeah, it's definitely a little bit of a risky topic. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about it. I personally think it might go a little bit downward.
2: Um, I look, you got the same opinion on that one. So, I'm going to pass it on to Shamar. Do both of you think that the stock market would go down if Biden wins?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's like like we're saying everything about this. Everything about this year has been brand new for everybody. But I, I think if Biden were to take this one, it would go down. What about you? I feel
2: like it would go up. I feel like it would. I feel like initially it would go up a little bit, but I mean, with again with the taxes, you almost um, said impose I think, then it could fall down a little bit. Um, this is, uh, I mean, this is a little off topic, but talking about taxes, have you guys um heard of like taxing on stock trading? Not but, really. Um, I mean, other, I know over here in New York, in New Jersey, at least, they're trying to tax every stock trade that because sh- it's like because so, like, right now not you hop on like Robinhood mm-hmm. and you buy a share of Apple and you sell it, a share of Apple. Man. You're not gonna lose any of that money to tax. But, you know, I know, I mean, I know New Jersey, you know, Bill Murphy's a democratic, he's trying to make that tax happen. So, uh, I don't know if Biden has the same plans, but what are you guys' thoughts on that? Taxing, like, daily stock trades.
0: I don't know about how I feel about that. From what I'm aware, currently in the market, in some places, there are surcharges on every trade you make, but that goes to the company that you're making the trade through. Um, and then there's also tax on when you exit the market and sell your positions. My only thing is, I don't know if it makes sense to tax every single trade um, an investor is making. In my personal opinion, I feel like that's a bit laborious to the investor. and arguably unfair to an extent because the whole point of the market is that the investor puts in their money at their risk and Stimulates the economy Hoping for a rise in the stock so that they can eventually walk out with a larger sum of money Um, It's essentially a risky world where they're doing it all on their own and Arguably they're helping the economy which they are They're, they're they're keeping us standing up so I don't know if it's fair to tax them excessively when, they, when they're already being taxed on selling their shares and selling their positions? I don't know about what you guys think.
1: Um, I have two questions, really. Um, so, I don't know. This might impact like day traders a lot. I know a couple of friends who are very into day trading, and if there is going to be some sort of tax imposed on every single trade, uh, that's going to add up. And we're already losing money to commissions and things like that. So, I really don't see where the money is going to be taken out. Is it going to be taken out from the surcharge is already taken by whatever platform you're using, whether it's like E-Trade or TD Ameritrade or anything like that, will the money be taken out of there or will it be taken again from the cut that you took from whatever investment you have made. And also will taxes be taken off from when you lose money as well? Um, will there be taxes when you sell your positions or anything like that? Um, and just like what Adi mentioned, um, like it keep these investors, keep the stock market up and if, the stock market is such a vulnerable state right now, and I don't really think it is the best of interest to really tax the people. And you're basically taking away, you know, like some sort of, I guess, reward from doing trading and things like that. You're like really like, you're not really like motivating people
2: to do trading. Yeah, I, mean, I know as for the commissions, a lot of that's don't even have commissions anymore.
0: Yeah, a lot, a lot of people have, have killed that practice. But there is still quite a heavy tax on exiting the market, especially if you're doing that in the short term for day traders, for instance.
2: Yeah, yeah I know I know for exiting, at least, there's definitely something. But, I mean, if you're going to buy a position, I'm pretty sure they can just like create the tax as a percentage of what you're buying. But if you're trying to exit a position, I'm not too sure how that will work. So, you know, I'm not too sure about this topic either, but I was just reading about it. Um, Yeah, I don't don't think it would be that good of an idea either. Because, you know, like you said, not even day trade, it's just investors overall. They keep the market going. Um, That's also another thing I want to talk about. Uh, So you guys know how, um, you know, big banks like J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, they can, you know, how they control this market because they can buy a lot of shares of a stock and easily dump it. So how do you guys feel about that? Because if this tax was to be implemented, then that would also affect these big banks.
0: Yeah, actually speaking to that, uh, I looked into a little bit about how, what a Biden victory could do. And one of the facts connects exactly what you just asked. Goldman Sachs actually thinks that based on Biden's proposed tax measures and other policies, he could be cutting off about four percent of s p 500's total estimate earnings so like you were saying i guess if these big banks were to invest in these companies right now and buy a lot of positions right now they could be looking at a pretty good uh rally for the rest of the year but long run four percent is a pretty big number off the entire s p 500 index so The question is, is that going to cause a little bit of a recession or a downturn, or is that going to help us out as a country?
1: Honestly, I mean, we're facing tough times right now, Um, and those tough times haven't ended, that's for sure. I think people have just, it, it has come out of people's minds a little bit. But then again, like UK and a couple of countries in Europe are going back into that emergency phase, you know, so... Regardless of what happens in the election, I think there is going to be some sort of decline because I think people are going to have that that notion or like that cautiousness that comes with COVID. And, you know, with flu season coming up as well, like, I mean, death tolls are going to be increasing dramatically once again. So just to look out for those types of events.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I personally agree with you. But, you know, just, just so we let our viewers know, in this article I'm reading from Reuters.com, They're saying that because of the current rally that we're seeing in the market, especially through 2020, from past patterns when the market rallies with average gains as high as they are right now, the fourth quarter goes even better than the third quarter. Because in a normal scenario, in a normal year, the third quarter is actually a pretty weak quarter for the stock market. But when it is as strong as it is right now, it rallies through the rest of the year, which is why a lot of people are actually arguing that regardless of who wins the election, the stock market will continue to rally through 2020. What do you guys think on that?
2: Even through an election
0: year. Yeah, regardless through an election year. Yeah. All,
1: right, all I'm going to say is, I'm going to be investing a lot of money in that.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm
1: going to be dropping big rocks on this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I mean, that's that's the goal here. The goal is to teach people how to make their money.
2: Where'd you get the money to have? Well, where'd you get these racks from? To do all this investing? <laughs> I mean, past success, you know?
0: um the money sitters, you know?
1: Facts, facts We make bucks out here. So, we're going to have some money to play around with, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. No, but in all seriousness, um, I don't know how I feel about that. Because it's kind of a bold statement saying that for sure, Um, that the market will rise for the rest of the year. I mean, you know, I don't know, we'll wait and see, but I definitely think that even if you do buy a stock at, at this time, you'll still be fine.
0: I mean, yeah. I'm not saying, I don't think they're saying don't buy a stock. I mean, clearly they're saying go ahead and buy a stock because it's going to rise, but um, I just find it a little bit counterintuitive based on past elections to assume that we're going to see a rise regardless of who's elected. Um, And like Barth was pointing towards, we don't really know what's going to happen this winter. Uh, A lot of people are anticipating a pretty bad experience for majority of the majority of the world for as a matter of fact, that we'll see a spike again in COVID and a new flu season that's going to essentially double up on the population. So there's definitely a lot of new things that could be coming our way. The question is, how are they going to affect the market? And what are investors going to react to?
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And like, you know, as we saw in March, as soon as, you know, we just saw the first couple of headlines of coronavirus, coronavirus, uh, investors got scared immediately. And, you know, we already saw a tiny drop. And, you know, as, and as corona just kept um, pushing through, the market just dropped more and more. So you know that could happen again this upcoming winter. I feel like so I, I don't think it's safe to say that the market could just keep rallying on.
0: I mean, it's um, really a really good
2: discussion today, and we're
1: gonna be we're closing in uh, to the end time for today's session. However, before that, and every week we're actually gonna be dropping a fun fact. So today's fun fact is on money, and did you know? that a penny, to manufacture each penny, it actually costs 2.4 cents. I didn't know that. And that's actually pretty interesting to note that it takes more money to actually manufacture a penny than a penny is actually worth.
0: So we should I probably mean, just stop making pennies then. I mean, we're at a, coins, uh, a coin shortage right now, pretty short. Sure. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I mean, I mean I if works- we think about it, coins are like, how many times a day do you use a coin? Especially, like, even if we look back to before COVID, like, how many times were you guys using coins?
1: Not going to lie, the only time I use a coin is in stats class when our professors actually trying to show us probability and you flip a coin. <laughs> so that's the only time I use
2: a coin.
0: Yeah, we used dice for that, too. We didn't even use a coin, so.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, everything's just FinTech now. No more coins. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's actually going to be a topic that we're going to be talking about in future sessions for sure. And it's a highly sought after and highly requested topic as well. So we're going to be talking about that in future. So stay tuned for that.
2: All right. Um, you know, as for next week, you know, I know today we talked a lot about the future in the presidential election. But, you know, we hope to look over, you know, quarter three earnings. Um, you know, we saw a lot of good news, also a lot of bad news. So we're definitely gonna discuss that. We also come up with some stock picks for you guys and what we think could be uh something to keep your eye on. Um so like Shomoy said, like and I think that that'll be about it for next week, right?
1: Yeah. And like someone Shamway said, like big money's gonna happen soon. You know, we're gonna be giving our stock picks, our we're gonna be doing our analysis of stocks and this is where you guys come in and really like see what's up, you know? Um gonna be making money soon
0: definitely I mean I think this episode was a little bit more uh different from what we what we aspire to be in the future um next episodes are going to be a lot more like informative from a quantitative aspect and we're going to give you guys a little bit more of a deeper insight based on our own opinions today was just kind of us introducing ourselves giving a little bit of history on the stock market I know that was kind of all over the place but yeah hopefully our first episode went well uh Thank you guys for listening. See you next week. And yeah, that's it for the money sitters.
2: All right. See you guys See you next week.